My name is Ben Beard, and I own Redcliffe Homes in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm searching for the top tips and tricks of the trade from experts in the construction industry. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is S. Robert August with North Star Synergies out of Denver, Colorado. Robert, welcome to the show today. Ben, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I'm very excited to have, to have had the opportunity to have met you previously through NEHB Connect, uh, an outstanding blogging uh, uh, educational program through the National Association of Home Builders. Yes, and I see you are extremely active on there and always giving great advice and making connections, and, and it's awesome to see somebody so willing and, and working so hard to give back and, and provide value to so many others. Well, I, I learned many years ago, uh, I, was in a, uh, I was a bit younger and in need of a lot of education, and there were so many people who helped me, and it's just a, uh, an, uh, another way to pay it forward and thank you and thank everyone for the opportunity to participate, and it, it sure is a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited to learn more about you. Tell me about, uh, I know you were a builder developer, and, and then I want to hear all about what North Star Synergies does. Well, I, I've been in the industry for many, many decades. Uh, and even before I went to uh, undergraduate school, I grew up in a family business, Ben, and we were in uh, the manufacturing and distribution of wine and spirits nationally and internationally. And unfortunately, I was the youngest of the fourth generation, and uh, the company was not set to be mine. And my dad passed and, and had been the chairman of the board, and um, I ventured into real estate uh, after college. And uh, what was so interesting uh, is that uh, I began working in the building industry, and I worked with the largest builder in the United States. Uh, and I began uh, working with them in 1972, and it was a company called Ridge Homes. And I was in, we shipped two packages, an exterior shipment and an interior shipment. And I was in the customer service department with 22 other people. And uh, if you ever would like an outstanding uh, experience, learning experience, customer service was amazing. Nobody ever yeah. called yeah. in to say, thank you. I really appreciate your help. <laughs> they, they all complained. Uh, they needed parts. They needed information. And surprisingly, in 1972 through 74, uh, the shortages and the, the shortages and supply disruption uh, and price increases that we're experiencing today, we experienced almost 50 years ago, and and it was exactly the same. Really? So not only here in the United States, but all over the globe simultaneously. And manufacturers were shipping goods and services abroad to gain increased profits rather than taking care of obligations in the United States. Wow. What was so amazing, Ben, and I'm going to see a smile on your face, uh, just in awe, uh, the lumber. Where did the lumber go? A lot of the lumber went to Japan. And the Japan, Japanese didn't have uh, warehouses to take all the lumber that they bought as futures. So what they did, uh, they sunk the, the lumber in the harbors and actually had zones like warehouse zones, if no. you can imagine, in harbors throughout uh, Japan. Wow. So in essence, and a lot of countries did the same thing. But what was so fascinating 
you know, is just going through. You just, historically, and I know that this is an educational program, uh, and the flooring at the time, the standard flooring nationwide uh, in a home was number one tongue and grooved oak flooring. Standard. Huh. Couldn't get it. So all of a sudden, we started offering carpet, uh, any carpet that you wanted within a certain grade. Uh, we would offer it to you and have it installed, of course, at no additional charge to you, just to get the closings done. Wow. And then people would pick different colors. They'd pick poppy red for one daughter and seafoam blue for Billy Joe. And then they'd, they'd pick autumn green for their bedroom. I mean, it was, it was like crazy. But we had to do this in order to close homes. Now, this was the 70s. So this was the era of shag carpets, right? Holy shag carpet came into fruition like you couldn't believe. And people, <laughs> a lot of it, one person said to me, you know, I don't want that dental floss in my home, you know, but it was just always very, very interesting. And I learned the business uh, through the, the art of uh, compromise and, and, and always providing equal or better product uh, in order to help the buyers and the builders. We had 214 franchise builders in our program then. Wow. Wow. That's it's significantly larger than any franchise home building businesses today, right? I don't know another one that, that that's that size. There are some really outstanding ones. Epcon uh, specializes in the act, active adult area and mm-hmm. a plus firm. Another firm that's just come into the United States after recognizing that there aren't that many green home builders uh, or, or people who are doing green homes to the nth degree that they are is a company from Australia called Green Homes Builders. And they've actually not only been recognized by the National Association of Home Builders uh, for their educational programs uh, through the Global Opportunities Board Awards, but they've also been recognized by the federal government in Australia and also the other trade associations similar. Wow. Uh, to- but they've come in, They right now in um, Australia and New Zealand, they have 79 home builders in their team. And uh, they've just broken into the United States. And we're also helping them uh, with business development here in the United States. Okay. Yeah, I had not heard of that group. Yeah. And you, you will as time goes by. Great company. Absolutely wonderful. Okay. So you got your start working in, and you said you were shipping out two packages, an interior house pack and an exterior house pack. So, so was this like the, the Sears ship a home, order a home, ship a home? Same type of program. Our company was Bridge Homes and we were a subsidiary of Evans Products, which in those days was equivalent to Georgia Pacific, Louisiana Pacific. And one of the models was to sell all, not only the home plans, you know, and the technology to the builders and the consumers, uh, but also all the parts for the home. And I learned uh, that the average home in those days, uh, the average home had over 300,000 parts, including the green ground uh, screws in the circuit breaker box. So every part that you can imagine within a refrigerator, within a stove, et cetera, and we sold it all. Wow, that's incredible. And that was probably, I mean, I'd love to know what that number is today. I would think it's substantially higher today. It would be because the homes are bigger and there's more parts in a home today. Uh, In those days, uh, the average home was about 1,600 square feet. And today, 
Uh, I mean, we go up and down with the vicissitude of the market. But even if we said that including condominiums, townhomes, single family product, we're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 2,400 square feet right now. Okay. So then what, where did you go after, after working in that customer service position? I saw all these people passing me by, Ben, in the company. I was training them about what I was doing, and they were earning 50% more than I was. And I went to the personnel department, and I said, this is ludicrous. I didn't, I didn't talk down. I said, you know, how can they be doing, how can they earn all this money, you know, when I'm earning so much less, and I'm teaching them? And they said, well, they have a graduate degree. I said, really? That's all the, the difference? And they, they said, yes, you know, you, you only have an undergraduate degree. So I said, well, this is crazy. So I went back to, I asked them for a two-year leave of absence. And they said, oh, we can't do that. So I left and I went to graduate school and I, I received a, a degree, uh, an international graduate degree in management. And uh, from there, I met a number of wonderful people, of course. And at the time, the, the, uh, there were 56 different countries uh, that were in the school. And my wife and I uh, participated in, in the activities and, and in the school. And uh, then we had an opportunity to come back to the Philadelphia area where we were from. And I went to work with a builder developer and uh, opened up a, a new community. And Ben, the, you know, you talk about, you know, being in customer service and handling negativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took us nine months uh, to get a community approved and opened. Uh, I mean, once we had gotten the, the community open. And the day that we opened was almost simultaneously with the day that Bethlehem Steel in the trading area of Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton laid off 25,000 employees in Bethlehem. Oh and, my the goodness. and the surrounding companies had to lay off a number of their employees because Bethlehem Steel uh, went out of business. And you might say, well, how did that happen? Well, after World War II, we had the Marshall Plan, and we went back and, and we improved Europe, and we improved the, the Far East, mm-hmm. and we brought the steel industry to those, uh, those various countries. And it was cheaper to create steel in the Far East and, and in Europe than it was in the United States. So it took 30 years, and the steel industry started to disappear throughout the United States. And I had opened up a brand new uh, residential neighborhood and figured out how to outsell and outperform everybody uh, with an economic development blight going on. And one of the ways that I did it was really coming up in uh, with an order change program. Uh, so any customer that came in and wanted to make changes, we would afford them the opportunity to change any of our plans and even redo our plans in order to satisfy their need. And we were a production builder uh, and, uh, and, and we were competing uh, with all these other builders and most of them would not do order changes. But I learned very quickly working with the develop, builder developers that I, I was employed by, uh, I, you know, all of a sudden these folks came in and said, can you do this, can you do that? And I said, well, let me go see. And the first thing that the president of the company said to me, and he said, gee, you know, you have all these people wanting information. Do you realize how much it costs to price everything out? And I said, no. He said, well, not only do we have to get the request from Ben and his wife, but we also have to then go back to all of our trades because everything is affected with a lot of these change orders. Mm -hmm. And he said, frankly, you know, we appreciate you're doing this. 
you know, bringing these potential opportunities, but we're not going to take any one of them on unless you get a deposit. I, see, I said, why? He said, well, because if we're going to go to the trouble to price out all their changes, we want to know that we at least have a deposit, that they're over the mound. When they give you a deposit, it means that they're interested in moving forward. And it's a refundable deposit. He said, and that refundable deposit, Ben, was, would be extremely helpful uh, and, and for us because we have somebody that's somewhat committed. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we said, gee, you know, so I went back to the buyers and I said, not only is this a refundable deposit, it's holding the price for your home. We guarantee that we'll hold the price for your home through this deposit time. And we would do five days. And then we would also uh, hold the price of all the options and, and also hold the price of the queue so that, for example, if you were the fourth one in line, Ben, we would hold that spot for you to have your home built. And then I'd say, and if none of that works, Ben, we'll give you your deposit back. We're not here to make the money on the deposit. We're here to make the money on the, the home sale. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the least expensive home that we had uh, in uh, 1976 uh, was a 1,667-square-foot ranch, slab-on grade, uh, for $47,900. Wow. Not including a refrigerator, washer, and dryer. But $47,900 for 1,660s. And the home was beautiful. It, it was just a gorgeous Cape Cod design, and uh, the floor plan was phenomenal. And uh, that that's you know how I got started uh, in in direct stick building and developing and uh, and kick that off. And uh, we became the number one builder. And uh, people started asking how we did what we did. And I got recruited to come to Colorado from there. Okay. So you, you came up with this idea of, hey, let's allow change orders. We'll take a deposit, but it's still refundable because we're not trying to make money on deposits. And that's what exactly. allowed, allowed your company to grow. We ended up, Ben, I'm going to make you smile again. Not only did we get the full purchase price, I never, I learned growing up in the family, in my family business, uh, never to take the pot, uh, never, never to give discounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we had a special, it would, it, it would be uh, an add-on, but it was never to take away from the purchase price. And I learned from, uh, from my dad and from my great-grandparents, if you give discounts, everybody's going to tell everybody else that they got discounts and why do you then get a discount? So I always, I I learned about parity pricing and always maintain, and even to this day, decades later, I have never discounted anything on my own volition nor recommended anybody discount. And whatever we've had control over, we never discount. And, and it's, it's just an amazing process because you create more value for the people with whom you're working and selling to. I love that. That's, that's the key to, to the selling process is to create value. There's got, there's got to be more value than the, than the sales price. Yeah. Another, another point, uh, you know, in, in the discussion about price, uh, it's, it's always very interesting. I always, another smile will come to your face. Uh, I had a price increase every month. I never had big pricing. Most of the nationals that I've competed with throughout the United States, other than the last 18 months, they all come back. Well, we're just going to raise the price five, ten, twenty thousand dollars 
I never did that. I still don't do it today. And why? Because you want to create, you, what I've learned in sales, you always sell against a price increase. People always, the biggest fear is loss. Mm-hmm. You give them the opportunity to buy now instead of in four weeks when there, there will be a price increase, they're going to save that money and then they're going to get in the queue. Well, even today now with price increases, you want to get people in the queue as quickly as you can. Yeah, absolutely. So I learned a lot of these points that I'm sharing with you and your listenership today. Uh, and uh, you know, so this is how I matriculated. I spent two years and nine months uh, with um, Tolan Gray Boys uh, in Philadelphia working on their Allentown project, uh, Allentown community called Country Crossing. I uh, was recruited to come to Colorado. I did uh, the marketing and sales for a 414-acre community and beat the pro forma by over 400%. Wow. And it was a time, uh, Ben, uh, and people will not be able to identify with what I'm sharing with you. I was selling homes at 13, 14, 16% mortgages and closing them and knocking the competition dead because I knew how to market and sell with our team. That's wild. We had 21% construction loans, Ben. And, and if you were hurting, uh, I could get you a construction loan for 26%. Wow. That's wild to think of those kind of interest rates. And the, uh, wow. Um, I mean, I, I, I know we, we've been in historic lows for a long time. I remember when I bought my first house eight years ago that, uh, you know, I think I paid four and a quarter and I thought, oh, I'll never beat this. And I've had two or three different mortgages since then. And everyone, the it, the rates gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. It's just amazing. Well, it's it's something hopefully uh, to enjoy over the next year, year and a half. The rates yeah. will eventually yeah. go up, but sure. uh, economically, uh, we're still in a deprived state. Uh, the 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 um, the richer, fortunately, have gotten richer. Uh, middle class isn't doing as well as it should, and those in the poverty level are not doing well at all. Yeah. And, yeah. And once we start to get the economic uh, uh, position stabilized uh, from over the last five years, six years, we'll start to see the interest rates go up again, gradually. But I don't, I don't predict that we'll have major increases. There'll be a quarter of a point here, a quarter of a point there, et cetera, uh, maybe a half point every once in a while. But again, it's always the ability when you're working with a buyer you know, who's trying to decide, should I buy now or later? The good news about most of the mortgage companies is that uh, if you go in today and the rates come down lower, you can take that lower price, that lower interest rate rather than the higher one. So it still is a great tool uh, to get someone committed today at a lower interest rate, you know, so that if it does go up, they they locked in at a lower rate and they're guaranteed that rate uh, by their agreement. Yeah. Well, and I love your idea on on refunds as well, because or on, on deposits that we're not trying to make money off of those. That in in my business, we we do a one dollar deposit on spec homes because I just need some kind of financial consideration to make it a legal real estate contract. But if they can't buy it, they can't finance it, they don't want to close for some reason. I'm going to give their money back anyway. So why make it harder for them and take more money? Let's just let them save their money until. 
until it's time to put the down payment with the bank. I'll, I'll let the bank deal that, with that. I just need something to secure the house. Yeah, I, I'm going to, again, uh, uh, give you a little jolt. Uh, I'll never forget, we had a price increase years ago, and I was able to take six deposits on a Sunday, and the price was going up at 12 in the evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, one gentleman said, you know, I, I really wanted to move here. You know, I've watched what you've been doing, and I think that the floor plan is just what my family needs. But, Robert, I don't have any money with me. Actually, I was Bobby. So he said, Bobby, I don't have any money with me. I said, oh, that's all right. I took out my checkbook and I wrote the deposit. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I know how much you've been out here six times before, and I know that you're ready to buy. And I don't want you to lose this opportunity to someone else. So I wrote the check. And I, and I, uh, I picked up a check for, from him at his home later that night. I made him the happiest guy in the world. Oh, yeah. It's just getting that buyer over the mound. I had another, another buyer in a similar situation uh, that, that didn't have uh, any money with him. He had a beautiful watch. And I said, I love your watch. And he said, well, I do too. That's why I wear it. And I said, well, I know how much you want this home today. And he said, uh, I do, but I just don't have my checkbook. I don't have the money, the cash with me. I said, why don't you give me your watch and I'll meet you at your home at six o'clock and I'll bring the watch back to you and you can give me the deposit. And he said, you do that? I said, yeah, I'll lock in the price. I'll hold the option prices for you. I'll hold all the color selections, all the brick uh, because in the community, I didn't want the same colors next to one another. Sure. So, and he was really big on this one color brick. It was a reddish brick. Uh, and, and I said, fine, we'll hold on to all of these things. And if it doesn't work out, if you decide later this evening, well, I'm still going to give you your watch back. You know, and he bought the yeah. home. But it, it's just learning how to help people, you know, and at the same time, uh, not working on, on the proverbial come. Because when you do that, the long every mile they drive away from your your community is another mile they'll never drive back. Yeah. And the other thing I want to share with the audience: I do not believe in in closing hard. I believe in closing soft uh, in a hard world. If somebody's not qualified, the other thing that we do uh, in our sales programs, we qualify every buyer. We don't wait for the mortgage company to do it. We want to know right then and there when we're working with them, how they can afford what they want to accomplish. You know, and, and again, never selling a person a home that's more expensive than they can afford on a monthly basis or on a price basis. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So you, you mentioned that you would have a monthly price increase, but not at the same rate as the, as the bigger national builders. How did you do that? What was kind of that strategy? Well, I would raise the price uh, arbitrarily uh, anywhere from $1,000 to $1,500 in those days. Today, it would be maybe a little bit more. But the other thing that I did, that if you're taking notes or if you're going to listen to this later, I had a price increase every month. The first month, I did the base price. The second month, I increased the price of the options. The third month, I increased the price uh, of the... Um, of the lot premiums or the home site premiums or, or the view premiums, depending upon uh, where we knew they would have an unobstructed view forever. Okay. So, uh, by, and the, the, the numbers were small in those days. 
you know, every once in a while, yeah, we could get a thousand here and there. But for the most part, I was talking in the hundreds. But the point was, I was always selling against a price increase. And I would always price out uh, all the, the major um, options that they'd want. I'd know that way in advance so that I knew uh, what an additional duplex receptacle plate was, or I knew uh, how much more the refrigerator would be, you know, or the, or the, the uh, number one tongue groove oak flooring. So all of these different things uh, were very, very important in understanding uh, the matrix of pricing. Yeah. And to this day, you know, I, I run around the country lecturing and most people don't do what I'm sharing with you. And it's so easy, you know, and it, and it really helps the salespeople uh, get to the closing table faster. Yeah. So it was, it was first the base price, then in the options, then the lot premiums, and then you just kind of rotate through those. Yeah. So every four months you, you uh, increase the base price. I mean, so, you know, and then you do the same thing with the options and the same thing with the, or, or every three, one, two, three. Yeah, on the fourth, it was every third, three, every three months you had price increases across the board. So you, I would assume you start with a healthy profit margin and then it just kind of gets better as you continue to raise prices. Right. Of course, some costs are going to go up to, to accommodate that. But. Yeah, but we never were over market. I mean, we were always in step with the market uh, okay. for the most part. The other thing I wanted to share with you, and, and uh, as a result of making the changes, and our sales absorption increased dramatically. But not only did our sales absorption increase, we at the end of the first year, we weren't keeping track of all the options, all the lot premium uh, opportunities. Uh, at the end of the first year, we found that we made more money in options and, and, lot, and home site premiums than we did on the base price of the home itself. So we actually created... Two, we, the equivalent of two home sales out of one home. Wow, that's amazing. So if you can imagine, uh, I believe we had 256 home sites. And of those 256, we actually created the equivalency when the community was finished of 512 homes. So it wasn't just you were making more on the margin. It was actual dollars was more in options and upgrades as opposed to base prices of the home. Yeah, the average uh, number of changes in a single family home, 36 that they finally selected. Oh my goodness. We could have priced out 100 items. The other thing for um, the uh, townhomes that we were building and delivering, uh, those homes, we made 16 changes on average. Huh. And I mean, where, you know, where, I mean, you can't mark up refrigerators you know, or washing machines, you know, right. that are stove that much. Uh, unless you're talking about, in today's world, you know, a 30000 or $50,000 piece of equipment. But uh, where, where we made more money, we're putting roof pants uh, on a side garage door. Not the garage door itself, but to go in and out on the side of a garage, mm -hmm. uh, pouring the patio or the, uh, the concrete, putting in a roof, putting in a door. Uh, those are things... Uh, enlarging, putting a, a large patio in the back and then putting a, a, a roof pen or a sunroom and closing the area into a sunroom. Uh, that's where there was, a, I mean, the margins there uh, were 250, 325%. Wow. Because we learned that the likelihood that they would bring somebody in to do that after the fact was not great. And we also, because it was real property, 
uh, we also then uh, could put it into the mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, as, and, and I kept changing the mortgages, the mortgages constantly uh, as a result uh, of, of making these change orders. So I was in charge of all the change orders, uh, all of the agreements, you know, and uh, ran the sales force and actually closed a number of the homes myself. Uh, but it was it was just a, a wonderful learning process. Wow. Well, and the cool thing about those options that you're talking about, it even with your margin on there, it's still cheaper for the homeowner to do it up front as opposed to bringing in somebody later, right? Well, here's the other thing. In quick math, um, if you had somebody come in later, the likelihood that you would refinance your home would not be that good. Sure. So. Sure. I could put everything into the mortgage that was a real, was real property. Uh, if somebody wanted, and I'm just going to round it off to $1,000. In today's dollars and cents, with principal interest taxes and insurance, it, it's roughly $3, maybe a little bit more. You know, when I was yeah. doing it, uh, we, in, in the first year that we were on site with this community, we had $7.87 a thousand. So, wow. so if you if that was just for the mortgage, so if you added the the uh, the, the taxes and insurance to that, you were somewhere around eight dollars and twenty five cents, maybe eight dollars and thirty cents. So I would say to you, would you rather take a thousand dollars out of your pocket or give me eight dollars and thirty cents? Yeah, I'll take the eight dollars and thirty cents. So that's that's how I mean that's how we were able to to add on and and take a home and really personalize that home to the individual needs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's neat. So then at what point did you roll from you? At that point, you were still working for somebody else, right? Yes. And then and what then led I, you to I, start your own business? Uh, when I came to Colorado, I created this community called The Ranch that I told you about. And frankly, we were on the wrong side of the tracks. And nobody, I had found out Many months later, after I'd started working with the company, I got the job because 62 other people turned it down. Oh, wow. They, they couldn't believe that, you know, that anybody could sell upscale housing in a blue-collar environment. And I came and, you know, I, I believe I can do anything if given the right tools. And um, I came up with a marketing program uh, that was uh, very unusual. And I... I Put together, uh, the I, the whole program revolved around um, this the traditional advertising, public relations, and promotions. But I also did other things uh, where I got involved with economic development councils, chambers of commerce, boards of realtors, and the Home Builders Association of Metro And by learning how to use other people's money. I would, I would host educational programs for consumers, educational programs for builders. Um, in this one community at the ranch, I had as many as 32 builders that I was selling home sites to. Wow. And, and um, I figured it all out. And, and by putting this all together, uh, we, and, and learning how to market and sell, uh, just even better and better, we were able to attract more qualified customers than anybody else in the marketplace and close more real estate in our price points. And I got recognized um, in the latter part of 1982 as the National Association Home Builders uh, Marketing Director of the Year. 
marketing and sales director of the year. And I think, you know, if, if at any time I'm going ahead to uh, open up my own company, this is it. So I received the award at the International Builder Show in January of 1983 and opened up my, my uh, company simultaneously. And it was a consulting practice. And I realized that uh, I was missing one ingredient, which was a real estate corporation. And I wanted the real estate company because uh, it, that was my laboratory. That was where I could learn how to uh, really understand what the builders and developers needed uh, with marketing and sales. It's one thing to have you know, an idea, but it's another thing to be out there beta testing your ideas and always staying two or three steps ahead of the competition. Yeah. And you know, as a result, we did something that was, again, revolutionary. Uh, I created a real estate company with a partner, and we did not sell existing or used homes. All we sold uh, were the products in our company, and we would never let our salespeople sell anything else other than the, the land and the homes in our community. And if wow. you bought a piece of land as a consumer, you had to buy, you had to work with one of our approved builders. You couldn't bring in anybody else. And I, I perfected agreements that, you, you know, that were unbelievable. And that way, we protected the builders who paid their tuition to come into our community. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we've never, we never um, uh, competed with the existing market uh, in the sense of taking buyers out and showing them existing homes or even other new homes. Our salespeople were retailers. The same way you go into Starbucks, you know, or you go into Best Buy, you know, or, or any other uh, retail store, all those people could earn their money from is what they sold in that retail store. Well, we were the same way and are the same way. Our belief is that you need to learn how to catch, kill, and eat what you have in, in your own store. Yeah. And, uh, and as a result, again, our, our MO, our modus operandi was such that historically, for all the years that my partner and I were together, then we outsold everybody in similar price points in our trading areas wherever we were because our salespeople were not uh, you know, selling other property. And I'll never forget, I went to one community one day to look at a, a product. It was gorgeous. And this guy, after one year, had no sales. And he finally acquiesced and called me and said, Robert, I need your help. Come over here. And so I went over and had beautiful models, beautiful architecture. And, uh, and, and, I, and I said to him, tell me about your sales situation. And he was working with wonderful companies. He had worked with Remax and he had worked with a Coldwell Banker office. And both of them were, I knew the companies, but what they did is that they would, they would put people out there to train them. They weren't professionally knowledgeable. They were rookies. And they would put 13 to 16 salespeople out on site. And what would the salespeople do? They didn't know the product. They knew the MLS book and they would sell everybody everything else. They had over 1,000 customers uh, in the first year and had no sales. Wow. Can you imagine that? So what I told them, I, I basically said, this is what you need to do. And uh, we revolutionized their, their program uh, dramatically. But at the same time, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, you don't take the buyers off site. You don't show them and sell them something else. Yeah. You stay true to you know, the point and realize that home building communities you know, are retail stores. 
and you run the business like a retail business rather than trying to, to sell everything in the smorgasbord. Yep. Yep. So how do you recommend that a builder does that today? Because I've, I've learned that same lesson the hard way in my business. And so what we've done is, is work with unlicensed builder reps instead of a licensed real estate agent as our salesperson. Is that what you recommend or, or is there a way to, there, you know, every, every market has its own hybrid or, or opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really good question, Ben. And I think that, you know, as I reflect on, on uh, the program, uh, what we have found is that uh, in our program, I mean, I know that we'll do a great job for any company. I mean, we, because we have. And we've perfected the art with sales and policy procedure manuals. Our salespeople are trained every week differently than everyone else. We have a policy and procedure meeting. Then we have a group meeting just for that, that uh, community. Then we, we break out individually and train the people individually. And the oh, other wow. thing that, that would drive you crazy, we're on the phone six, seven, eight times a day with each of the salespeople. And, and it's, it's teaching them through on-the-job training. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people would call me and say, I've got this buyer, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And I would say to them very politely, you know what to do. And then, well, I, I'm hung up. I said, well, tell me all, all of your choices. And I would let them speak and solve their own problem just by answering the question. And I would say to them, of the four considerations, what do you think the best one is? And they would give me, and, if, and in most instances, I would agree with them. And I said, you know the buyer better than I do. And so go try it. And most often they were able to close the buyer or handle the situation from a customer service standpoint. But the other thing is, uh, I mean, from a control standpoint, it's always good to have your own salespeople or a company like, like the one that we, you know, that we've manufactured and created over the years. Somebody that's going to be beholding to you and just sell what you have. You're creating the prospects for the, you know, I've told this other builder, you created these prospects, a thousand prospects uh, for all these, these other real estate brokers. And did you get a referral feedback from them? And he looked at me and he said, no. And I said, how much did that cost you to generate those qualified leads? And he said, I don't even want to tell you. I mean, cause I, I had him at hello. I mean, he knew, yeah. I mean, every question that I had, you know, for him, I knew the answer of course, but what he was, he, he got it very quickly. So it's better to control your own sales force uh, if you can. But if you do have an outside real estate brokerage company uh, that I would call true to the form and not just using you as a way to, of course, sell your product, but also sell another hundred buyers as a result of coming through your door, that's a whole other direction. Uh, hopefully, you know, what we're talking about today is helpful to you and your listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. So what, what kind of business does North Star Synergies do today? We're a, a North Star Synergies is a consulting practice. Uh, we specialize in marketing, management, and sales. So we, uh, we work with builders, of course, developers. Uh, we also work with manufacturers, vendors, contractors, subcontractors. Uh, we work with mortgage corporations, banks, uh, and uh, we also work with real estate brokers and teach the real estate brokerage companies the art of new home sales. Uh, and then we have, uh, I used to have a real estate company. When my partner retired, I bequeathed it to my son, 
who already had his own real estate corporation, and uh, and and he uh, does have a division that sells existing. But when he does take on a new home sale community, he does it exactly the way that we perfected it many years ago. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Robert, what do you see? How do you see the industry changing over the next ten to fifteen years? Well, it's a really good question, Ben. Uh, and uh, we'll take out the crystal ball together. And, uh, I'm going to share with you a number of things. Uh, again, um, energy conservation, water conservation, uh, tremendous changes that we're seeing. Uh, many, net, many cities are now adopting net zero. Uh, many cities are now adopting the elimination of gas uh, as a form of, of uh, gas furnaces. Uh, they're going to electric. Uh, water conservation, you and I live in the West, uh, in the yeah. Southwest, and water is a commodity. Uh, we, I mean, we in Colorado, our water permits are so expensive because uh, cities and states have senior water rights to our water. So the homes that you're building in Las Cruces are much more expensive than ours because our, our, uh, for the same home, for the same 2,600 square foot home in Metro Denver, you could spend anywhere from $15,000 for a water permit to $150,000 for the same one. Depending yeah, and, on I, and I've sold homes for $150,000. Yeah. So in essence, uh, water is going to become very, uh, it's going to become more extreme. Uh, water conservation is very, very important. Um, the EPA has done a good job of making an awareness, but they need to do a better job. We as the building community uh, need to adapt water sense. It's an EPA program, Indoor Air Plus for indoor air quality of life. And we also need to continue to adapt Energy Star. So those are three EPA programs, Environmental Protection Agency programs, and every builder can ascribe to those. I know in Colorado and California, where we have very strict building codes, we exceed the codes that have brought to, been brought to us through the EPA. But uh, other things, universal design. Many people are aging in place. We're living in our homes longer than we did uh, since the, the 50s and 60s. And as a result, uh, it's important to prepare the homes uh, for people aging in place. You know, most people don't realize, Ben, that over 25% of our population, not only in the United States, but in the world, is living with a physical challenge. And as a result, regardless of their age. You know, what percentage so, did you say? Over 25%. Wow. So if we have 330,000 people in this country, you know, we're living uh, over 80,000 people have a physical challenge. Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's arthritis, whether it's, uh, it's the debilitation of muscles, uh, there's just a whole host of, of extremes that you know, we can talk about. But the point is that every builder should be building homes to meet the needs of buyers so that they can enjoy living in place. Uh, there's a wonderful designation called Certified Living in Place, um, a CLIP. I don't know if I met with uh, Louis Delaware and Eric Listu. They would be great uh, participants for your program. And I'd be happy to send Sarah their contact information. Yeah, uh, Eric was a guest on the program, and, and uh, it, was, it was great to learn from him. I, I picked up and implemented a few ideas from that conversation. Yeah, and that, that would be great for you to have your homes CLIP certified. You know, yeah. are you to be CLIP certified? It's just another another point to share. Another one, uh, another point, of course, smart technology. 
Uh, we're working with a corporation out of Canada that uh, is owned by several NASA engineers. And they have um, smart technology that's beyond compare. Inside the duplex receptacle place, between the two receptacles, you have a module. And the module uh, checks temperature, checks humidity. Uh, and they're coming up with a whole series of uh, motion sensor programs, cameras, et cetera. And uh, retailing, you know, the retail price may, be, may go up. But right now, retail, not wholesale for a builder like you, uh, you can find the product for $60. And it's unbelievable. Wow. And you can get it through HBA rebates as well. I can introduce you to the folks at Swidget. And HBA, after you do your program with, uh, with Swidget, uh, you can also use HBA rebates, which is a discount program for every builder who's a member of a, a local association, uh, local home builders associations that's participating with their program, which is over 600 HBAs throughout the country. So yeah. they have a national uh, discount program for all the folks listening, and there's no additional charge to become uh, a participant within that program. And I would guess that Las, the, the Las Cruces HBA is also participating. We're also going to see health and wellness. Uh, I launched a, helped launch a company created by Jillian Pritchard Cook, and she would be a great um, guest for you as well, and I'll be happy to introduce her to Sarah. Uh, Jillian, uh, years ago, um, had uh, some, uh, some issues, some cancer issues, and I had seen her at a meeting at NEHB, and she was in the leading suppliers council meeting. She's uh, an acclaimed interior designer, uh, nationally and internationally, and I, I, I've known her for years, and I said, Jillian, what are you doing here? She said, well, Robert, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch my company, uh, my second company. Her first company is Design, uh -huh. and, and uh, the, the other company is Wellness Within Your Walls, and she has a five-hour module, uh, educational module, to teach you how to eliminate toxins and chemicals from the building products that you're working with. Which ones are more that meet the efficacy, you know, of, of true health and wellness products and services? And uh, so we know that health and wellness is so important, especially with the pandemic. After, you know, some of us have been in quarantine, you know, or being, been restricted to indoor air. And as a result, 90% uh, 90, 90 of our time is spent indoors rather than enjoying the outdoors that you, you know, so beautifully have in Las Cruces. And yet, you know, at the same time, health and wellness is going to be a very, very important trigger. And the, the manufacturers are adapting to it. So when you say what's going to happen over the next 10, 15 years, you're going to see a lot of regentrification of commercial projects. Uh, we don't have enough land. Today, uh, in the United States, we have a 5.5 million home deficit of new construction that we need. It's going wow. to take four or five years just to meet that, let alone all the other homes that will be necessary to come in while we're fulfilling those 5.5 million, there'll probably be another million and a half that will be necessary in the next five years as well. So in essence, we're gonna be very, very busy and uh, you are going to be a very, very busy gentleman. <laughs> so just initially, you're gonna see a lot of changes across the board energy, water, uh, you're going to see, um, uh, again, uh, universal design uh, so that people can age in place. The cost of living in a well care center is, is uh, tremendous. Yeah. And if you prepare that existing home, be it a condominium, a duplex, or a, or a paired home, or a single family home, et cetera, 
uh, and put in those grab bars. Use the, the ovens with the knobs in the front uh, so that the people can, instead of trying to reach over where they can't, there, there's a whole host of, of different changes that you would need to make that, uh, that uh, Eric probably shared with you. But it, it's not a difficult process to prepare these homes and smart technology gets better and better. And um, with so many different things, um, I met with another company today about a vibrating sensor so that you would know, would have known in the, in the surf, Surfside uh, Champlain, ta Champlain Towers, you would have known that there would have been a problem that you, had, you needed to get out of that building before it crumbled. Wow. So in essence, there's so much happening technologically uh, and we're going to have homes uh, that are better built, uh, more products and services uh, coming online. There's a great product called uh, RSG3D, and the product is a panelized wall system. If you can imagine, it's got a two-hour fire burn. Uh, it's um, wow. up to 300 miles an hour. The strongest tornado ever to hit the United States is 240 miles an hour. Uh, hurricanes are 160 at the, at the very, very maximum, usually 165. Uh, and, and it's also earthquake-proof up to 9.0 on the Richter scale. And where was this product tested? At the University of California Structural Engineering Department in Irvine, California. Uh, it's vermin-proof, it's insect-proof, and it will provide you with 30% less energy uh, costs uh, in today's costs right now because of the insulation factor. But you're going to find a lot of products that are, and it's a 28-year-old company. This isn't a brand new company. We awarded that company uh, the number one product through the Global Opportunities Board uh, several years ago through NEHB, the National Association of Home Builders. So in essence, you're gonna see a lot of changes with product, a lot of changes with, um, with cultural needs. We need to build to the culture. We need to build uh, uh, a lot of homes uh, for uh, individuals who have physical needs and physical challenges, or may be will having those challenges in the future. So uh, these are just some of the changes that uh, we're foreseeing. And um, it's, it's also, it gives you the opportunity as a builder to be on the forefront. We don't recommend that you be the pioneer uh, as a smaller builder. Uh, there's an old adage that uh, uh, pioneers get arrows in the back. And so in essence, you know, what we want you to do you know, is, is really you know, be in the forefront and be aware and, and start to integrate a lot of these changes, you know, into your homes uh, where they can give you the competitive edge that we're speaking about. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, well, Robert, what is the best advice that you've ever received professionally? The best advice that I have received is to eat, keep asking questions. Never assume that you know everything. And whenever there's a gray area, keep asking the questions until you find the answers uh, that are best suitable for you. That's great. And the other, a second point, uh, Ben, would be surround yourself with people who know more than you. Always seek the very best professionals, whether it's, a, whether it's an attorney, a CPA, a tax attorney, uh, people that can really keep you out of trouble and, and out of harm's way. And yet at the same time can teach you how to earn more profits and build more cash flow. 
Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Who have you learned the most from throughout your career? Uh, you ready to smile again? Absolutely. Penny August. She is my wife. I married, I was very fortunate to marry my best friend. And Penny is uh, just an amazing individual and very grounded, very centered, and uh, keeps me focused. I mean, and uh, also puts up with my workaholic nature and understands uh, <laughs> me and uh, is very, very, very patient. That's fantastic. Well, Robert, if you could go back to your very first day on, on a construction site or, or taking that first customer service phone call, what kind of advice would you give to yourself? Uh, be patient. Don't anticipate what the customer needs without the customer telling you. Listen, take notes, repeat the notes at the end of uh, and the action items that you need to accomplish on behalf of that particular buyer. And then follow up and ensure excuse me, that the buyer gets what he or she deserves. Nothing more, nothing less. But provide them with follow-up communication and keep them in the know. And they will become your best referral source forever. Wow. That's great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, Robert, how can people get a hold of you and, and follow what you and North Star Synergies are doing? Thank you, Ben. Uh, our operators are standing by right now <laughs> at area code 303-500-3400. Uh, that's area code 303-500-3400. And my cell phone uh, and, and on my business card, the word cell is S-E-L-L, -L, not C-E-L-L. -L. And it's 303-601-5840. Uh, it's 303-601-5840. My email address is robert at northstarsynergies.com. That's northstarsynergies.com. And my website is northstarsynergies.com. Com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom and experience with me and, and can't wait for, for the audience to, to hear this. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope that you've learned something from our guest today. The Ben Beard Show is sponsored by Redcliffe Homes. The purpose of this podcast is to help young professionals find mentors in this crazy construction industry that we're in. If you have a story to tell about your road to a successful career in construction, I'd love to hear it. Please like and subscribe to the podcast to hear from all of our amazing guests. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at The Ben Beard Show.